Welcome back to Catalyst. This is Thad Risto. I'm here joined with uh, Mike and Kate. Uh, we're going to be doing our Sunday night recap. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to kind of give a little overview of what both Mike and I talked about um, on Sunday night. So what um, we covered was Job chapters 27 through 31, and it's a really complex um, few chapters in the book. Um, it's Job wrapping up his final dialogue with his three friends, and, um, then, and, and then actually he ends up going into a dialogue with God directly. Um, but there's a lot of interesting characteristics in this dialogue because he goes a lot of places. He goes from rebuking his friends, meaning he just um, claims his innocence and says essentially that what they're saying about him is wrong. He holds strong to that um, ideal that he has done nothing wrong and that he is innocent in his suffering and that he's done nothing to deserve the terrible things that happened to him. But then he goes into uh, giving that rebuke to the Lord directly. Um, he claims his innocence with his friends, but then directly with the Lord, um, essentially claiming that he understands what sin causes and he did not do those sins to deserve the punishment that his friends are accusing him of. And then he goes into um, reminiscing on his past life before all this suffering occurred, how beautiful his relationship with the Lord was and how beautiful his relationship was with his community and family was as well, how he was seen as a man of integrity who was loved and valued highly, uh, likely above everyone else around him. And then how that was all quickly stripped away from him and how now after his suffering in his uh, what he believes to be complete innocence, now that people have seen that, they hate him and they make fun of him. And now he's an outcast in every aspect of his life. And he's lost everything that was taken away from him um, in this trial. But also because of the trial, he's now lost a community of people and family and friends that value him. And so it's a lot of um, searching and reflecting. And at the end of the day, uh, the key point that we pulled from it is a search for wisdom is important, but it's not done perfectly, as we saw exampled in Job. Uh, while he was not wrong for searching for wisdom and there is no sin in him seeking God directly. In fact, um, we actually encourage that everyone does this. We sometimes take it to the level that Job did, which is accusing God, or essentially he tried to put God on trial, um, say, you did this to me for no reason, and I deserve answers. So his posture quickly changed from chapter 1 and 2 when he went straight into worship of the Lord during his grief, um, not accusing the God um, not accusing God of doing anything wrong. In fact, making a statement of everything that I have is from God. So uh, therefore, he has the ability to take it away if he wants to. And if I'm going to worship God when he is blessing me, I should also worship God when I have nothing because everything is from the Lord. Uh, but his posture began to get jaded along the chapters and through conversations and as time went on. And so I think it's just important to note that we, as Christians, while we should always search for wisdom and take all of our concerns and wonders up directly with God, um, we have to be careful of our heart posture in doing that. So that's essentially what we covered. Um, I think maybe some thoughts from 
Mike. Okay, that was a great job. Um, you basically summed up everything. You mean, you mean a great job? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible joke, but great job. Um, on uh, summing up um, what we talked about for Job, and so yeah, I just see um, how Kate was saying towards the end of her um, monologue that um, um, how. We see Job go from worshiping God um, during the start of his suffering, and his um, his view gets jaded because his view gets jaded the more and more he starts to dwell on his suffering. We see that Job is moving um, moving towards trying to understand and trying to seek wisdom into why this is happening. And so the three friends and Job, they all have this thing in common of trying to justify and figure out what is going on and why this is happening to Job. Job constantly um, fights for his innocence. Like he's being put on trial. He is fighting for his innocence. There's nothing wrong with fighting for your innocence, saying that you did nothing wrong. But the thing that Job did do was um, he put that above serving the Lord. He put that above seeking the Lord. Um, and he was just trying to fight for his innocence so much that he started, like Kate said, tried to put God on trial and was like, answer me. Like, why is this happening to me? What is going on? What did I do so wrong? And then you see in verse in chapter 31, where he's just constantly pleading his case. I did not lust. I did not do these different things um, that will warrant this. So why, why is this happening to me? And so, um, yeah, this chapter was deep. This, these verses were, um, very deep and complex and super hard to like wrestle with and see and see and understand that um, in um, chapter 20, 28, um, I feel like this is like the crux of the message of the of the passages that we went through is like seeking wisdom. And there's and the only way we can find wisdom is only through God. Um, God is the only source of wisdom. He is our source of wisdom. So my main idea was in the midst of suffering, no matter where we're at, um, we can always be dependent on God because he is our true source of wisdom. Um, it is only through him that we can find wisdom. And we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. When we seek um, him and repent of our sins, that is the beginning of our wisdom journey. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of what I have. Short and sweet. That's how I like to keep it. So. So, Kate, I have a question for you. So, um, writing this talk and diving deeper into this um, and marinating on it, what things really stood out to you the most while preparing your heart for this talk? Mike, that's a great question. Um, I think that the biggest thing that stood out to me is from really just Job 1 to here is you can see a shift in what Job is actually seeking. So... In the beginning, Job, I feel, is genuinely seeking wisdom and guidance and, and, and a deep understanding of what he's wrestling with. And I think that's fair. I think it's also fair to say that Job experienced um, a harder suffering than anyone I've ever met and possibly harder than anyone ever. Um, he lost everything, and I think that that happened on purpose so he could be just a large example of suffering, a broad example of what everyone could ever go through and how we can manage it. And so um, through that, he did genuinely wrestle for just wisdom in the beginning. His wrestling was reaching out to God and praying, and he sought him um, with a posture of pure love towards him. And it's admirable. There's actually a really good um, symbol of this in James 5 that I just recently read, and I, I feel it resonates well with what's happening throughout all of Job. 
Um, so in James 5, verse 7, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So <laughs> I I didn't read that very fluently, but the gist of what's happening in this passage, passage is it's showing how a farmer has to wait through many seasons for the for the crop to be harvest, right? He's got to plant the seeds and he's got to water it and he's got to tend to the grounds, wait for it to grow, um, clean, pick the weeds, do, there's many steps and a lot of time that goes by to actually get what you're gaining from the crop, right? To actually bear the fruit that you have been tending for so long. And and so what happens is I feel like it's so easy for us to get eager in that first season. We get excited about planting our seed and waiting for the crop to come. And so we're so excited. We're ready. We're like, this is going to be a good year. And so in parallel, what happened is Job has seen so many blessings from the Lord. He's had so many gifts given to him and he's seen the outcome of them. So he knows that God is good and that good things come. However, and suffering that can feel so much different, but it's really the same thing playing out. So we see in the beginning, Job is eager, um, even in deep grief, to drop to his knees and worship the Lord. However, as the rainy seasons come and he's got to pick the weeds and he's got to wait to um, harvest the crop, wait for the understanding that he's trying to gain, he's starting to get impatient. And he's wanting that final outcome before um, it's ready to be given to him, before the Lord's ready to reveal anything to him. And and so I think that we get excited in our joyful seasons and in our joyful outcomes. And so if we've seen the Lord move, if we've seen answered prayers, we're like, yes, I am going to... Um, serve the Lord in every aspect of my life and through every trial and through everything that happens. But once we're actually in the season, once we get past that initial phase of saying, yes, Lord, I love you. I know that um, I can trust you in all things, even in this hard thing that I'm going through. Um, that's great. But can you do it if you're still in that trial five years later? or 10 years later, and nothing new has been revealed to you? Are you still going to be steadfast like the farmer waiting for his crop to be harvest? And I think that that's what is starting to happen to Job. He's starting to lose that um, initial zeal that he had for the Lord by waiting for the crop to be harvest. And so I think that we have to realize, and even though it's a hard reality, that the crop in some trials might not be ready to be harvest until you go to meet the Lord on your dying day. That we're not always going to be able to harvest our crops on this side of eternity. Not everything gets answered and not every question um, has an answer for us at this time. And so really my final point in my talk was sometimes wisdom is being at peace with an unexplainable outcome because you know that you serve a good God. And that's the answer you're always going to be given. And that's the good fruit that you always have when you know and you trust in Jesus. And so even if you don't get specific reasons or understanding of why you're suffering, you can always come back to that truth and that answer that the God 
that um, our Father gives us, um, even when he's not ready to explain further in specific trials we're going through. That's really good, Kate. That's awesome. Yeah, I know there's, like, things going on in different people's lives that are um, that we might want the answer to. Um, but, yeah, that's really good that we, we may not get the answer um, on this side of eternity. And God may not um, answer us. And he has every right to not answer us. He is all-powerful. Um, and so that's really Hey, Mike, I actually also have a question for you. So we both really focused in on verse uh, 28 of chapter 28. So therefore, Job 28, 28. <laughs> and my question is, what do you believe fear of the Lord means? So the verse says, and behold, said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And so, um, still people come up with different, um, understandings and ways to view this passage. And so the way I took it was, um, that we know that God is all powerful and he is all knowing and that he can do whatever he pleases. And so we trust and we believe and we put our faith in God um, knowing that he has all this power and this control and he is um, ultimately, he is the ultimate authority in our lives. And so um, we put our faith and trust in him because one, we know that he is a good God and we see that through scripture when we read our Bibles and we know that um, he loves us because in the very beginning he sets up a redemption plan. And so um, when we think about fearing of the Lord, um, initially when we hear that word fear, we don't um, outright think of something great or something cool or um, something that we're going to run towards or love or cherish. And so um, Kate made a really good joke in her message, which was great, talking about how if she were to fear um, her mom or has, like fear her husband, um, people would be a little bit concerned for her. But um, we can we can solely, fully um, have fear of the Lord because we know his power. We know his goodness. We know his mercy. We know that he is gentle. Um, and we know that um, he has complete control over our lives. And so when we put fear in the Lord, we love and cherish the Lord. When we put, when we say we fear the Lord, and we hear that a lot in Christian circles, um, we, we, we have this faith in him. We have this trust. It's like this element of trust that we have in the Lord. And so um, another thing that um, Kate said in her message was talking about um, the fear of the Lord and fear of man. Which one do we... Um, which one do we uh, put ourselves in? So back before I believed in Christ, I would choose to um, set my morals and uh, my standards aside just to please the person next to me um, because I feared what they thought of me. My view of what they thought of me was more important than the view that God had for me. And so when I became a believer, that was one of the hardest things that I had to wrestle with because I'm very insecure about different things. And so um, when things will come up, I would still choose to have fear of man rather than fear of God, even though I know who God is. I know his power. I know his majesty. He is wonderful. Um, and he created all things. And he has this incredible, immense power that he can do whatever he pleases. And we see that in the book of Job. And so this blameless man um, gets basically taken, gets everything taken away from him. And God is still good. And so we see that God is still good. And so um, that's one of the hardest things I had to wrestle with and, and like throughout my life. And still today, I have this sense of trying to please other people. Um, but I know who God is and what he created me to be. And I don't have to be bounded by that, um, by that fear of having someone next to me or that fear of other people. And so, um, yeah, chapter 28 was very thick and it was um, very hard to 
wrestle with with a lot of things, talking about the fear of God and what that truly means and um, turning away from evil um, is understanding. So one of the things that I said was having the fear of the, having the fear of the Lord is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding to move away from evil, to um, turn away and turn to Christ. So once again, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you for letting us tickle your eardrums. Um, we appreciate you. We love you. You are smart, you are kind, and you are important. Intro music. Well, hey, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and were able to take something away from it to apply to your daily walk with Jesus. Our hope and vision for this podcast is that it would be used as a tool and resource for further discipleship in your home. Catalyst was created to appeal to both students and their parents, so we will be releasing a couple of episodes per week filled with talks like today, deep dives into other scripture, and equipping lessons to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you liked our content today, be sure to follow us on Spotify. That way you are able to stay up to date with each episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, we want you to know Jesus, grow in Him, and go out to share the good news. My name is Thad Risto, and I will see you in the next one.